This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. How's everybody doing? Yes, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Here's the deal, here's the deal, y'all. Even just for me, this is hard. Like, this is tough, you know? And then a little, little interaction helps uh, loosen up the nerves a little bit. So um, I would love that. Love that. You look great, though, even with your masks. Yeah, good to see you. Welcome back from the Fort Worth. Hello. All right, so um, a, couple, a couple precursors that um, I made some notes in. One, um, there are some tables outside for, for serving opportunities. Uh, so if, if Austin Life is your church home, or you're like, maybe I want to know more, um, one of the expectations of, of anyone who calls this place home is that we would serve, that we'd have a place on Sundays that we serve. Um, it, it's like being a part of a family, right? Everybody's got to play a role. Uh, we've all got to have something that we do. And so uh, Sundays takes a lot to do, and um, we don't ever want to be the church that I've always heard churches kind of compared to as a football team in a football stadium where uh, like 5% of the people do all the work and 95% of the people just kind of stand back and watch. Um, we don't want to be a football stadium, right? Like we want to be a team where we're all playing and doing our part. Um, and Ephesians 4 says that that's actually when we're going to grow um, the most. And so uh, if you're not serving somewhere, there's some opportunities out there. You can leave your name and number um, and grab some candy and you're not locking yourself into anything. You're really just having a conversation to start um, unless you're doing setup or tear down, then you're locked in for life. Um, but uh, anyways, <clears throat> second thing uh, that's a, a pre, this doesn't go against my time, Mike. This is not part of my sermon time. This is pre-sermon time, so don't, I, I, saw, I saw him already, he's like, I had a stopwatch going or something. Um, here's the deal. I've had this, this Sunday circled um, in my head on our, our series, The Fullness of Life, for a while, um, and I fully believe that God wants to do some work today. Um, he wants to move us beyond the religious practice that we live in a lot um, and into more of an experiential fullness of life with him. Um, and so, like, I, this should go without staying, and I'm sure everybody does, but, uh, but listen up. Like, pay attention. Um, grab your, your worship guide there and the pen because there's going to be some stuff to take notes on um, that I would really love for, for you to take notes on because uh, we, we are going to have time at the end of service to put this into action. Um, my prayer is that and as much faith as I have that, that we will not leave here the same, um, that God will transform our lives here today because he is living and active. Uh, and so that's what we're praying for. Um, so we've been talking about the fullness of life, been doing a series called The Fullness of Life. Um, my belief is that every one of us is looking for the fullness of life. Uh, it's not just my belief, but a lot of um, old, old dead people ahead of us believe the same. Uh, so Thomas Aquinas, he said in the, oh darn it, I never remember his century. Let's go with the 13th. Um, he said there is, a, there is a search in every soul for happiness and meaning. Um, that every human being spends their lives wanting to be happy and to have meaning in life. Um, and, and I think we would all unanimously agree yes, please, I would like to be happy and have meaning and purpose in life. Um, I think that is a unanimous agreement across all peoples, all cultures, all time periods, all backgrounds. Whatever it is we do, we do because we think this is going to lead to the best outcome for me. Like, that's just how we are wired. Well, Psalm 1611 says that the fullness of life is in the presence of God. 
So for all of eternity, God has existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a relationship of generous giving, of selfless love. It is the perfect relationship. God did not need anything from anyone from anything. He did not need the world. He did not need humanity. God is just so generous that in his love, he wanted to create a world with a people to join him in the fullness of life that is God. God is the fullness of life with or without us. And he generously creates us to join him in this loving relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this divine community. We're created to be a part of that. But the problem is we're all actively looking for the fullness of life. No one would say, like, I have achieved and found ultimate happiness and purpose and meaning and everything is complete and done. We're all still actively looking because something has gone horrifically wrong. Something is broken. And the Bible says that we have all sinned and we have walked away from this relationship with God. We see it in Genesis 3 where God creates Adam and Eve and he says, hey, live in this fullness of life with me. And then the lying, deceiving snake comes up and says, hey, 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 hey. God said this, but he's holding out on you. Doesn't this look good? Yeah. Come on, it's, all it's going to do is make you wiser. It's going to make you more like God. He's holding out. And so Adam and Eve took their eyes off of God, and they went their own way. And in that, when that happened, it said everything broke. They, they, they realized their shame their disobedience, and immediately there was a separation between them and God. They lost the fullness of life, and from Adam and Eve on, we are all seeking to gain this again. We're seeking to have this fullness of life, and we seek it in a number of things, right? We seek it in financial security. We seek it in a relationship or a family. We seek it in um, being praised and performing well and having people think highly of us. We, we seek it in um, just pleasure and fun. Like, we think that, man, if I do this, then I'm going to be happy, and then we wake up, and we're like, well, that didn't work. I'll try it again. You know, we do it again, or we try something different, and we know in our soul something's off, and Augustine says it's because we're created for God and our hearts are restless until we rest in him. Our hearts are restless if we are seeking the fullness of life in anything other than God. It'll just let us down. And so how do we then have this relationship restored if we broke it? If a human relationship is fractured, there's got to be reconciliation. There has to be amends in order for that relationship to be restored. Well, so Jesus came in John 10, 10 to bring us abundant life. Jesus came, his words, God himself, Jesus, he left heaven and earth in order to bring us back into this relationship. That is his purpose. He left heaven and earth, he gave up all of his rights and he came to be our servant in order to bring us abundant life. And so God expects us to live perfectly like he did, we didn't, and so Jesus came in our place to live the perfect life that we should have lived to have a perfect record from beginning to end. But, but then we have our sin to account for. What do we do with our record of debt? Well, that's why Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross to suffer the punishment for our sin so that my sins and your sins and my full record of debt, Colossians 1 says, could be nailed to the cross and it can be forgiven and removed. 
So Jesus fulfills the perfection I'm supposed to fulfill. He dies in the place where I'm supposed to die, and then he rises from the dead, and he holds life in his hands, and he gives us an invitation. He says, hey, if you trust me, you can have this eternal life. That is the gospel. Because Jesus is alive, we can live today and for all of eternity. It's not based on what we do, it's based on what he has done for us. He makes that transaction for us. Well, so then how do we, how does that transaction happen? Just because the transaction is offered, it doesn't mean it happens. Well, that's where humility comes in. Luke 9, 23 through 24, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, great, come on. But you've got to die to yourself and follow me. You want to follow me? Great. But any ounce of yourself holding tightly to your way, you got to lay that down and let it go, and you got to follow me. If we try to hold on to Jesus and hold on to something else, that's called idolatry, and God will not share. We've got to lay it down, and we've got to trust Jesus alone to do everything for us, and we've got to follow him. And in that heart of humility, the gospel is, is applied and we are made spiritually alive. Listen to Ephesians chapter two. It's one of the best pictures, um, just verses of, of the gospel. Ephesians chapter two, verses one through 10-ish. It says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. So dead, separated from God, you were dead in your sins, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience. He's saying you were dead in your sins because you were following the devil. You, you, the devil tempted you and you said, okay, I'm gonna go that route. That's what happened to all of us. Among whom we once all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. When we sin, we become enemies to God. We become in opposition to him. That's what this is saying. But God, verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus is the answer that we are dead in our sins, but Jesus, by God's great incredible love, there was a verse in that song where it says that he, Jesus died for his accusers. Like that Jesus, he he died for his enemies. Jesus died for the ones who were killing him. Man, I struggle to, to really actively love people who just rub me the wrong way. And Jesus laid down his life for his accusers. We were dead in our sins, and Jesus, he came and he paid the price for that, and God in his love made us alive. We were spiritually dead, and when we trust Christ, we are spiritually made alive. 2 Corinthians 5 says we are a new creation in Christ. This is, the, this is the, the foundation, the framework. This is the foundation that, that then when we trust Christ, we are given everything we need for the fullness of life. Everything. And now we shift more to the nuts and bolts. Kind of the practical, well, what do we do now? 
How do we grow in this, right? If, if Jesus did all this work, now, now do we just do nothing? Like, how does this work? What now? What, what are we supposed to do here today? Like, if he gives me everything, why does life still suck sometimes or a lot of times? Why does there still f- seem to be this disconnect? I read the Bible, but I'm like, okay, these wise men rejoice exceedingly. I just don't have it. Like, they fell in worship. Like, I could do that, but it would be forced and manipulated. Like, so where, why is there a disconnect if we have all of this? And so we're going to get more into the nuts and the bolts. And what the Bible says is that when we trust Christ, if we want to grow in the fullness of life, we have to put on Jesus. We have to put on the ways and the character of Jesus. We'll talk about this next week. And we have to put off darkness. We've got to put off the sin and the weight in our life that clings so closely. We've got to put off the things that slow us down, and we've got to put on the things that pull us towards Christ. So we get more into the the nuts and bolts in the next couple of weeks of what we actually do, but I, I want to give a warning, right? As, as, as good church folk, we like to focus on the nuts and bolts. We like to focus on the, hey, tell me what to do. I need to read my Bible more? Cool, right on. 45 minutes now, check, done. What do I need to do? Oh, I need to go to community group? Great, got it. Oh, I need to be in discipleship group? Super, I'm gonna do that. We like to focus on the nuts and bolts, and I've got this, this little uh, thing um, of, of nuts and bolts and just kind of hardware, and this is great, right? Like, it's, it's a tool, but it's just, it's just a hardware. It, but if we put the nuts and bolts together, right, then we get to the finished product. A, a cellist, because I love the cello, of, of nuts and bolts. On their own, right, they're great, they're fine, but we're, we're going somewhere. The nuts and bolts are not the end of themselves, they are simply a tool that get us to the end. Does that make sense? The nuts and bolts are not themselves the end, they are a tool that get us to the end, and so often we like to focus on the tools doing this, not doing that, let's add this in, and that's good, but we have to remember the end goal is more of God. The end goal is knowing him and looking more and more like Jesus. If we fixate so much on what to do, we're gonna miss why we do it. Jesus himself said, you idolize the words in this word when, when really these words are simply pointing to me. That comes from Jesus himself, right? Yes, these words matter, but if we miss the God that these words point us to, what's the point? And so we're going to now start applying some of these nuts and bolts, putting off and putting on the things of Jesus. And I mean, just listen to some of these verses in the New Testament. Romans chapter 13, verses 12 through 14. If you just want to write these down, we're going to run through a couple of them, if I can turn fast enough. Romans 13, 12 through 14. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in not in orgies, in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, 
but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. There is a command given to, scripture, to Christians, put off darkness and put on light. Put off darkness and put on light. Galatians 5.1, it says that it's for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, do not submit any longer to the yoke of slavery. He's talking to the church. Christ has set you free. Don't submit your life to the yoke of slavery. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, where he says, that is not the way you learned of Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God. In Colossians chapter three, it's another one, where it says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God verse 5 then says put to death therefore what is earthly in you and it gives this list and then in verse 12 it says put on then as God's chosen ones and it gives this list and then in Hebrews chapter 12 and these are the verses that I wanted to focus on therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside every Weight. Every weight. Let me read that again. Let us also lay aside almost every weight. Sorry, no, that's not what it says. Let us also lay aside 95% of the weights. Nope, sorry. Let, let, me, let me get in the Greek. Uh, let us also lay aside the comfortable weights. Dang it, no. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Scripture is incredibly clear that God desires for us to have the fullness of life and that Jesus came to bring it to us. And by faith in Christ alone, we are saved and then because of his incredible love and joy, it is our joy to put off every single weight and sin which clings closely. And to put on the way of Christ and to run with endurance the race of the fullness of life, of joy in him. But we have to put off the weights that slow us down. We're gonna do something a little different today, a little risky. Um, and so I'm gonna ask you to put your things down on the floor, and then we're gonna go outside um, to the little walkway thingy, and we're gonna take this outside for just a second. So let's go, and we'll be right back. <laughs> All right, so uh, we have Rob, <laughs> see Rob, and then we have Adam. Um, they might pull a hamstring. Um, so we're going to run a little race. First is a warm-up race. Um, they've got the, the drag chute and some five-pound ankle weights on each ankle. Um, and so on go, I, I, need, I need to really see y'all go for it. And um, Brandon is your stopping point. He's also monitoring for cars uh, to make sure no one gets hit. All right. On your mark, get set, go. 
over there. I think this is most everybody. Um, may have lost a couple here and there. I think some people wanted to try out the shoots. It's cool. So here's the thing, right? Running a race um, for for Adam is going to be a, was going to be a whole lot easier without the weights. And and I realize like we could have just said that, but but sometimes it just sticks a little more when it changes things up and we 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 kind of see something visually. And so. Um, it's, it's obvious, it's clear, like it's not even something you have to debate. It's going to be a lot easier to run the race and to run it with endurance and with joy and with lightness and with freedom when you, when you put off, literally put off the weights that hold us down and pull us back and obstruct us from moving forward. If we want, listen to me, this is, uh, this is just black and white. If we want more of the fullness of God, if we want more of his presence and his greatness, which the Bible says is better than life itself, the Bible says is, is, is so great that we would willingly lay down everything else. If we want more of that, then we, by the love of God in us, have to put off every weight and sin which clings so closely. And, and one thing that that illustration doesn't portray is that the, the race that God calls us to run is not an individual sport. It's actually a relay race. We are created to be interdependent human beings. So my choices and my life, whether I put this off or not, doesn't just affect me. It affects every person that is a part of my life. So if, if I don't put off darkness and if I'm being weighed down by the, the weights and sins of this life, then my family is affected by that. And, and you are affected by that. And if you're like, man, it's just me. No, 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 it's not just you. You exist in a world with people around you and the weights and effects and the, the sins of this life never, ever, ever just affect you, ever. And so for the love of God and for the fullness of life and for the love of others, we put off the weights and sin which clings so closely. And listen to this. So often you may be thinking, you may be sitting here and you're like, dang it, dang it, dang it, why did I come today? You may know, oh, I know the weight and the sin which is in my life. I've had this sin for 15 years. I've had this weight buried away for, for a decade I'll bet you I'm hitting home for some people right now. You may be thinking, I have tried 417 times to put this off. And I get it. I, I, I understand, man, I have struggled immensely in the last couple of years with fear and insecurity. And it has been a 
chain, like literally I can feel a weight on my chest and my shoulders and I've tried multiple times. But the promise of scripture is that we are not defeated. That Christ has already taken all of the darkness and sin of this world and he took it to the cross and then he went to the grave and, and what's incredible is that he rose from the grave three days later and he walked out without a single weight of the sin of this world on him and when we trust him, he gives us that spirit of freedom as victorious over the darkness. We can walk in the light just as he is in the light. That's in 1 John chapter one or two. We can have the spirit of Christ in us because he gives us his spirit. And so we have to, by faith, and I'm speaking maybe more than anybody else, I'm speaking to myself here, we have to have the faith that we are not defeated. We are not defeated by sin and darkness because otherwise Jesus is defeated and he's not defeated. And so we have the power of Christ in us to actually put off, throw off, lay aside, get rid of every weight and sin which clings so closely. Hear me, it's not in your own strength, but the Spirit of God is in you, and He enables you to do it. We see in verse 12, verse 1 of chapter 12 in Hebrews, he starts by saying, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, before he tells us to lay aside every weight and sin, he points back to Hebrews chapter 11, where he runs through this list of people who ran the race of faith well. And what's incredible about this list of people is they had some dark sins to put off. They had some big weights to take off. Right? Moses, why did he flee Egypt? Because he murdered a dude. He literally killed somebody, and so he flees Egypt where he encounters God in the burning bush. Right, you've got Abraham in there who's going from town to town, and his wife is attractive, and so he's like, hey, baby, why don't you just say you're my sister because, because I don't want these people to attack me. Bad move, man, bad move. He does it not only once but twice. He's got to lay that off. You've got David in here. Right, a man after God's own heart, but when I read 2 Samuel, dude's got some blunders. He's got some blunders where he, he not only has a, an affair with a woman, he then brings her husband home from war and can't get him to, to go sleep with his wife who's now pregnant, and so he sends him back to war to be murdered. And yet David is, by the grace of God, able to put off those weights and sins. You got Isaac, who is a deceiver, who crushes his father and his brother and deceives them. I mean, so you got people that we're like, dude, these are the, these guys are in the big leagues of faith. And yet they got some weights and sins they got to put off. And by the grace of God, they're able to. And they're able to run the race of faith into the fullness of life. And so we can't sit here and say, I can't do this. It's got too much of a hold on me. How am I supposed, this has been here for so long. My prayer is that God will tell us by his spirit that we are able because he is in us and he is able. And that today, this is my prayer, 
we will walk out of this room free of the weights and sin which cling so closely and hold us back to this because we will never get to the fullness of life if we're holding on to the weights and sins which hold us back, ever. Never. So what are the weights and sins that we're to throw off? In short, anything that keeps us from moving closer to the presence of God in the image of Jesus. Anything that keeps us from moving closer to the presence of God in the image of Jesus, we are invited to throw off for the sake of freedom that Christ brings us. Some of those are, are clear and obvious sins, which we'll get to next, but some of them are just weights. They're not necessarily right or wrong. They just slow us down. Look, you want to go run a race with ankle weights and a parachute on? Well, that's not necessarily wrong, but it's going to slow you down. It's going to, it's going to keep you from getting to the, to the end goal that you desire. So what are some of the weights in our lives? See, this is where preaching is hard because... It'd be so much easier if I could just say something and then I have to apply it to myself. Um, but that's not cool. That's not right. So uh, TV, the quantity of time that we spend watching TV, we will not be able to stand before God and say, hey, I didn't have time to read my Bible and pray. Because he's going to be like, let me talk to you about the hours of Netflix you got on your sheet. Right? So j- just quantity. TV's not bad. You better believe I'm going to watch some football, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch a TV show. But man, is it, is it weighing me down from actually gaining something of better value? Not only the quantity, but let's talk about the quality of TV. If we think that the images we're watching and the, the things they're saying are not affecting our minds and our souls, then the devil has won and we are deceived to reality. I realize that if we're going to take this very literally, it's going to mean that we put off some shows that we've really come to like, and us included. Like, we're going to have to be really intentional and say, is this really better? So TV is a weight. Phones, good gracious, our phones, right? Our phones might be the biggest weight that we have in our lives. And we get notifications left and right. We sit there and we're literally flipping through our apps without even looking because it is so muscle memory. I've been on a soapbox and the soapbox is only getting bigger thanks to the uh, Social Dilemma documentary. Social media is toxic. Like I'm not even going to say like, ah, maybe not. It is toxic. The data is there that it is destroying us. So again, you're not going to find a verse that says, man, oh, you shall put away Instagram. Right? Like it's not in here. But I guarantee you it's a weight to a lot of us. I guarantee you very rarely do we get on there and leave with 100% pure thoughts and motives. And and man, I feel closer to Jesus after this. It is toxic. And, and I can also promise you, you don't need it. Like, you don't need it one bit. So maybe consider getting rid of it for a while. Like, maybe consider, hey, let's do a month with none of it and just see. Just see if you miss Christ more because of that. 
And if so, then all right, let's consider that. Material possessions. Man, they are not wrong at all. I like a new pair of shoes. Like I, I just, Adam just looked at my shoes. You know, it's, it's, I guess it's natural, I get it. You know, I, 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 I get it. But are we more eager to buy for ourselves or to give to others? Are we controlled by our possessions? What if we get something new and it's ruined immediately? Does that change our attitude or our heart? Does it have a grip on us? Again, it's not necessarily wrong, but we've got to ask, is this a weight that is causing me to look more to the things of this earth or to the things above? Um, Food and drink. Man, we moved to Austin because we like good food. It is one legit one of the reasons we picked Austin to move to. But do we overeat? Are we more concerned with putting food on our plate without caring for the plates of others who don't have food? Do we, let me be very candid here, do we overdrink? We take this freedom that, man, Jesus turned water into wine. Cheers, right? And we're all about it. Let's have a good glass of wine. Let's go get a craft brew. But Jesus very clearly says in Ephesians 4, do not get drunk. Ten times out of ten, it leads to unwise choices or thoughts. And so, no, food and drink is not necessarily wrong, but when it moves us to a place where we are no longer reflecting Christ, it's become a weight that pulls us down. And so if you can't drink alcohol without going too far, then we probably shouldn't drink alcohol. Dreams and ambitions. Dreams and ambitions are great. I hope you have them. But do you elevate them to a place where you're unwilling to let go of them if God says something else? Do you hold tightly to your hopes and dreams for life and you're like, God, you cannot take that. You can't ask me to lay that down. Uh, Self-protection. Man, it's important. It's important. But Jesus came to lay his life down for others, not to protect himself from others. Are we more concerned with protecting ourselves than in laying our life down for the good of others? Freedoms and rights. I think this whole topic of weights, man, this is not necessarily a sin. For some, sometimes it just rubs us so deeply and we're like, no, that's not a sin. And all we're doing is pridefully holding on to our freedoms and rights. Jesus said to lay down everything. And man, he wants to, he's not trying to hold out from us. But if we start holding tightly to those things, they're going to keep us from him. And then he says, so let's, let's, let's believe that he's better and let's lay down all those weights. Let's let him go. Let's also put off every sin. Sin is doing anything that God says not to do or not doing what he says to do. Right? We, th- we can run through many in the Bible and, and I've listed listed several here that you can just see and take references if you want, but sexual immorality, Colossians 3, 6. Greed, Colossians 3, 5. Unwholesome talk, Colossians 3, 8. There's a lot of Colossians 3 in here if you're curious. Disconnection and disunity, Ephesians 4, 15 to 16. Laziness, Romans 12, 11. Pride, Romans 12, 16. 
worry, Philippians 4, 6, dishonesty, Colossians 3, 9, unforgiveness, Colossians 3, 13, anger, Ephesians 4, 26, not obeying. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Not obeying, making disciples, Matthew 28, 28, building one another up, Ephesians 4, 15 to 16, sharing, Luke 6, 30, loving one another, Romans 12, 10, showing hospitality, Romans 12, 13. I mean, we could, we could just run down the list of, of the weights and sins, but, but the reality is, the Holy Spirit has to convict us of what that is. Right? Like, no doubt, I didn't list something, but the Holy Spirit knows it, and if the Holy Spirit is in you, he will tell you what that is if we listen. And so how do we now put this off? Right? If we're sitting here, and here's what I know, is we understand this concept. Like, we understand, man, you want to go towards something, you got to put off the stuff that holds you back. You want to lose weight? Well, you got to put off fatty foods, right? Like we understand that concept. We understand if we want the fullness of life in God, we got to put off darkness that pulls us back. That's not life. So how do we now actually do that so that when we leave here, things are different? How do we then tomorrow and the next day put off every weight and sin? Here's what I would love for you to to take notes and write this down um, because then we're going to spend some time doing this. So step one is humility. We have to be honest with ourselves. Do we really believe that God is better than anything he asks us to lay off? Do we really want him or do we, do we just want his stuff? Do I really want God or do I just want the healing that comes with him? Do I really want to know God or I just want the blessings that come with him? Because if it's really just his stuff that he wants, that is idolatry. It is putting that above God. And here's the great thing, those things come with him, but we've got to check our heart. Do we really want God and believe that he is better? We've got to start there. Man, if in your heart you know that you you don't want God more than anything, that's where we start. That's where we start. So humility, that's step one. Step two, ask God to reveal any sinful ways. David prayed this prayer in Psalm 139, and I think it's a fantastic prayer for us to pray regularly. To search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Ask God to reveal and sit and wait. Wait for him to tell you what it is. If the spirit of God is in you, he will tell you. You will know. Ask him. Ask him what it is that that you haven't thought about in years, but it's holding you back. He truly wants freedom for us. And so he's going to let us know. Number three, own it. Admit it. Confess it to God. Don't deny it. Don't justify it. Just own it. In Psalm 51, after David was was caught in his sin with Bathsheba, 
I mean, he says in verse 1, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. We are never going to put off weights and sins if we're not honest with ourselves before God. He's not trying to shame you. He's not trying to beat you down. He's trying to set us free. The truth will set us free. Be honest with it before him. Four, receive his grace. Psalm 130, verses three and four. The psalmist says, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Right, God, if you're going to count me guilty for my sins, who's going to stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared and loved. Jesus did not die on the cross to pay for most of your sins. He did not die on the cross so that the majority of them or the, you know, the, the middle tier to lower tiered sins could be handled, but the, the big ones he couldn't handle. He didn't die on the cross so that your sins up to so far would be forgiven. He died on the cross so that every one of our sins would be forgiven. Receive his grace. When we confess our sins before him, we are free. And he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. He does not see us through the lens of our sins anymore. That is his choice in love that he does. When we confess to him, we are free before him. And it's that grace and freedom that then enables us to do number five. Make horizontal confession and amends. A lot of times our sins have hurt and wounded others. A lot of times our sins have been against others. And Jesus says in Matthew 5, 23 to 24, that when we have a grievance with someone else, it is more important to get up and to leave church and to go and resolve and reconcile that than come back here. So if you're already starting to think, yeah, that, that opportunity is going to be given. For us to get up and go make horizontal amends because our love for God is seen in our love for others. The way we treat others is the way we treat God. And so if we are unwilling to forgive others, if we are unwilling to repent to others, we are unwilling to have that relationship with God. And so when we receive the forgiveness of Jesus, it is then our, our invitation to go and to make horizontal amends with others. And then six, I guess you could do six and seven together. Galatians 5.1, by faith walk in the freedom that Christ has given you. Do not submit your life to slavery anymore. By faith, believe that the Spirit of God is here and He is going to set us free and that it's already paid for. The victory is already done. Freedom is already purchased. We can, by Him, walk in freedom. And so, the best I can tell, that's the, that's the invitation we're given and that's how we can do it. Y'all, this is... There's no point in 
chasing after this if we're unwilling to put off anything that weighs us down. We're just kidding ourselves. And it's an insult to Christ. And it's not loving to others. And so here's what we want to do is we want to take time to be doers of the word. Like, what's the point of reading this and knowing this and taking notes if we don't do it? And so we're going to take some time. I'm going to invite Stephen and, um, and Eric back up. And, man, they're just going to play and give us some time to, to walk through that process. To, to humble ourselves before God and to admit that, that he is better. And if our hearts don't believe that, to tell him, God, I don't, I don't believe this right now. And I, I just need you to show me that you're better. We're going to take time right here, right now, to ask the Spirit of God who is in us to reveal any weight and sin that is in our life that will slow us down and hold us back. We're going to have time then to own it and admit it. It does not define us, but we have to confess that before Jesus and then receive his new declaration of us, which is forgiven son, daughter. So we're going to have that time with God and then we're going to have time where if there's horizontal amends and confession that needs to be made, Jesus is very clear in Matthew 5, get up, leave church, make the amends and confession and correction, and then come back. So maybe there's time, maybe that needs to happen. And we have time and faith to walk in it, to receive it. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. If right now you sense you sense any voice telling you the other, it is of the devil. If you sense a nervousness and hesitation to lay it down, Okay, but it is of the devil to keep you there. Because his ambition is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is not able to do that when we walk in freedom. Y'all, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Every one of you is here because God planned for it. it's enough it's we don't need to live that way anymore so Eric I don't remember if it was one slide that had the different things or if it was multiple um, perfect so we're just going to take some time and when you feel that you have laid down every weight and sin I want to invite you to come and to receive the Lord's Supper they're individually packaged not ideal, but it is what it is. Take it back to your chair. The Lord's Supper is the reminder that Jesus has done everything for us to be free. 
It is a reminder that his blood was poured and shed out so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we don't have to be slaves anymore. It is a reminder that his body was broken so that we don't have to live in brokenness anymore, but we can live in wholeness and in freedom and in the fullness of life. And so when we have laid down every weight and sin, because it is an insult to the cross of Christ for us to come and to celebrate his sacrifice while holding tightly to our sin. It is an insult in the highest form of pride. And so if today you're not ready to come and receive it, that's okay. If you're not ready to lay every weight and sin down, that's okay, but we're not gonna stay there. But don't insult the cross of Christ by holding tightly to Jesus and also tightly to our sins and our weights. This is, this is real. We're not going to just do church. We're not going to play religion. It's going to leave us empty and broken. We're going to grab hold of the life that Christ came to bring us. And we're not going to settle for anything less. To his glory and to the good of this church and the world around us. So I'm going to pray over us. Pray for myself. And then the time is yours with God to lay it all down, to make amends, and to worship and receive his blood and his body and freedom. God, your word says you who were dead in your trespasses, uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This you set aside by nailing it to the cross. Your word, God says, that you disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Jesus, by your resurrection, the devil has lost all power over us. He has no authority to steal, kill, and destroy. We simply submit our lives under that. And so may we be given eyes to see right now by your spirit the life that is laid out for us by you, Jesus that we would not submit our lives to the, to the weight and the burden of slavery. It's for freedom, Jesus, that you came to set us free and to enjoy the life of, of fullness in you. And so that is what I'm, I'm asking for from my own life, God, that the, the weights and the sins of fear and insecurity the idolatry of self-protection, that I would have your strength, Jesus, to follow in your footsteps, to lay my life down for the good of others and not for my own protection. And so I'm asking for freedom. It's there, help me to walk in it, God. Holy Spirit, will you speak to us today? 
Would you remove the distractions of our schedules? Would you remove the distractions of this world, of the things around us right here even, that we would hear your voice? Because nothing else is more important. see that you are good would you let us know how good you are let us know that following you obedience to you is better than anything else God you invite us to come to you so search us know our thoughts and our hearts. Spirit, right now, reveal to every one of us every weight and sin which clings closely that you want to set us free from. tells us that you did not come to condemn us, but that we would have life in you. Your way is the way of life and joy. Give us the courage and the humility to own and admit to you our sins. now we ask you, God, to wash over us with your grace, your mercy. God, let us, let us cognitively know and experientially feel your forgiveness. pray and to listen, asking God to reveal every weight and sin. Know that his intention is freedom. Trust him and lay it down. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.